the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. It takes that trial to get our attention and get us back seeking the Lord, right? Otherwise, we would just go about our little life and our prosperity and our success and never pray and never read our Bible and never really, you know. But then God brings that trial in just to turn our hearts back and get us praying again, get us seeking again, get us searching the scriptures again. It takes that trial to get our attention help us realize how much we need God because we we forget that in our prosperity. As Pastor Dan continues his teaching series through the book of Jeremiah, he'll be explaining how Israel would be blessed by God and grow complacent and stop seeking Him. Israel went through a cycle of being blessed, growing comfortable, then turning to idolatry. Sadly, Israel would then be judged and disciplined in order to draw them back to repentance. This cycle doesn't need to happen. If you propose to seek the Lord as fervently during times of blessing as you do during times of trial, you won't grow complacent. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 22 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Jehoiakim was a very selfish king. He lived a very uh, selfish, luxurious life. He used his position as king to serve himself and to serve his own greed, to prosper himself. Can you imagine a politician who's self-serving and uses his position just for his own benefit? Things haven't changed in 2,600 years in the world. But that's Jehoiakim. Verse 13. Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness. Jehoiakim. And his chambers by injustice. Who uses his neighbor's service without wages and gives him nothing for his work. Who says, I will build myself a wide house with spacious rooms and cut out windows for it paneling it with, with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Jehoiakim here. He, when he was king, he was more concerned with building his own palace than with building a righteous kingdom. Uh, when he became king, the, the, the nation was in trouble. Uh, the nation was decaying morally, spiritually. And, and Jehoiakim just ignored all of that And he just focused on his own palace and building his palace with spacious rooms and windows and paneled walls. He abused his power. He uh, he forced 
the people to build his palace without pay. Now look at verse 15. Look at the question that the Lord asks. He says, shall you reign because you enclose yourself in cedar? Or to put it another way, do you think you're a great king because you have this beautiful palace? That's what he thought. Look at this big, beautiful palace I live in. Of course I'm a great king. Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. Speaking of his father, Josiah. Josiah uh, did righteousness and justice. He did what was right in God's eyes. And God prospered him. God prospered him as king. Possible for you to... uh, Do the right thing and prosper. Do the right thing and God bless you in it. Yet your eyes, uh, it goes, I'm sorry, verse 16, it goes on to talk about Josiah. He judged the cause of the poor and the needy. Then it was well. Was not this knowing me, says the Lord? Yet your eyes and your heart are for nothing but your covetousness, for shedding innocent blood, Practicing oppression and violence. He he had an eye only for covetousness, for greed. He murdered the innocent. He oppressed the weak. He was a, a ruthless king. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, my brother, alas, my sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Alas, Master, or alas, His glory, He shall be buried with the burial of a donkey, dragged and cast out beyond the gates of Jerusalem. When Jehoiakim died, the nation did not mourn for him. They were glad to see him go. Uh, They didn't mourn for him the way that they mourned for Josiah, his father, who was a great king, who was a godly king who led the nation in righteousness, and the people mourned greatly when Josiah died. But when his son Jehoiakim dies, we're told uh, they buried him like he was a donkey and not a king. They dragged him outside the city and they threw his body in the garbage dump. They were were glad to be done with Jehoiakim. In fact, over in chapter 36, verse 30, There the Lord also speaks of Jehoiakim. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, king of Judah, he shall have no one to sit on the throne of David, and his dead body shall be cast out to the heat of the day and the frost of the night. I will punish him, his family, and his servants for their iniquity, and I will bring on them, on the inhabitants of Jerusalem and on the men of Judah, all the doom that I have pronounced against them, they did not heed. So Jehoiakim's body is just cast out in the heat of the day and in the frost of the night, just left out in the garbage dump to rot. So now that brings us down to verse 20. And, and in verse 20 now, the Lord addresses the people of Jerusalem before continuing on to talk about the final kings of Judah. Now he takes a break and he addresses the people of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry out and lift up your voice in Bashan. Cry from Abaram. For all your lovers are destroyed. Here when he refers to their lovers, he's talking about the other nations. 
that they look to for help instead of looking to the Lord their God. They look to these other nations to save them. And he says, look at all your lovers now. They're all destroyed. All these nations that you look to. The Babylonians came and they conquered all these other nations that they looked to for help. And now Judah stands left alone. Now look at verse 21. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said, I will not hear. This has been your manner from your youth, that you did not obey my voice. What a verse verse 21 is. Verse 21, God says, I tried to warn you in your time of prosperity, but they refused to listen. They said, I will not hear, or your translation might say, don't bother me. They don't want to be bothered with God. Now, back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, before the Lord even brought the children of Israel into the land, He warned them about the danger of their prosperity. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land of which He swore to your fathers, the Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you large and beautiful cities which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, and you're prospering, Then beware, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. He says, when I bring you into the land, you're living in these cities that you didn't build, and you've got these houses you didn't build, these wells you didn't dig, and these vineyards that you didn't plant, and you're, you're full, you're prospering, everything is going great for you. Beware that you don't forget the Lord. Beware that you don't forget that it's the Lord who brought you out of your slavery and gave you all that you have. Now, why does he warn them of that? Because that's a real danger for us. There's a danger in prosperity for all of us. And the danger is that we can forget the Lord in our prosperity and in our success. They refuse to even listen to God and their prosperity. And the fact is, when, when things are, are going well for us, you know, and the bills are paid, and there's money in the bank, and things are going good, we tend to kind of ease up on our relationship with God. We don't pray as much. We don't read our Bible as much. We don't seek the Lord as much. And for some reason, we think we don't need to, or we don't have to, because things are going so good. Why do I, you know? And we, we kind of ease off the, the gas pedal a little bit there. And we kind of lose our, our intensity for the Lord. And so what, is, what does the Lord often do? He puts a little trial in your life, right? And it takes that trial to get our attention and get us back seeking the Lord, right? Otherwise, we would just go about our little life and our prosperity and our success and never pray and never read our Bible and never really, you know, But then God brings that trial in just to turn our hearts back, to get us praying again, get us seeking again, get us searching the Scriptures again. It takes that trial to get our attention, to help us realize how much we need God because we we forget that in our prosperity. You know, prosperity is, it can be a dangerous thing in, in life. It can be dangerous to us spiritually. 
I just want to share a couple verses with you out of the Psalms. Psalm, uh, Psalm 119, if you're taking notes. Psalm 119, verse 67. And Psalm 119, verse 71. Listen to what the psalmist says here. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. See, God used that affliction in the psalmist's life to, to get him back on the right path. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. Because of the affliction, I'm keeping your word. Uh, verse 71, the psalmist says, It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Uh, you can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. The psalmist can see the good in the affliction because, because I'm afflicted, now I'm searching the Scriptures. Now I'm digging into the Word more than I was before my affliction. And so the psalmist can say, you know what, it's actually good for me that I was afflicted. It's good that I'm going through this trial because it's keeping me close to the Lord. It's keeping me seeking God. Now, I know myself and you know yourself, right? And it's, it's good that God keeps us on that short leash because otherwise we'd, we're, we'd just wander off and go astray. And so He uses that affliction to keep us close to Him, right by His side, in the Word, in prayer, seeking Him with intensity. Here in Jeremiah, with the people of Judah, in their prosperity, they wouldn't listen to God. In their prosperity, they said, hey, don't, don't bother us with this stuff. God tried to warn them, but they wouldn't listen. He goes on in verse 22, says, the wind shall eat up all your rulers and your lovers shall go into captivity. Surely then, you will be ashamed and humiliated for all your wickedness. Once you lose your rulers, once you have nobody really left to lead the nation, once you lose all of your allies in the world, and you're just left to yourself without people to lead your nation that are competent to lead your nation, surely then the nation will humble itself. Surely then, once that happens. I'm talking about Judah. I'm not talking about the United States here. I'm talking about Judah. Okay? Surely then they will be ashamed and humiliated for all of their wickedness. And surely then they'll turn back to the Lord their God and listen to Him. Because they don't have any other options now. They don't have rulers. They don't have allies. They've got no one to lead their nation. They've got no other nations to turn to to help them. They're out of options. And God says, surely then, once you're out of options, surely then you'll turn back. 
Surely then you'll be ashamed and humiliated and you'll turn your hearts back to me and listen to me. But they won't. We know they won't. The heart can be a very stubborn thing. O inhabitant of Lebanon, making your nest in the cedars, how gracious will you be when pangs come upon you like the pain of a woman in labor. And this this seems to refer to the king who's living in that palace made of cedars from Lebanon. And then the idea being they made their nest in the cedars. Here's this king living in his palace. And he says, how gracious will you be when pangs come upon you like the pains of a woman in labor. He's talking about the judgment that's going to come upon the nation of Judah. He, he compares it to labor pains that come upon a pregnant woman. They come upon suddenly. And then once, the, once labor begins, there's, there's no escaping it at that point, right? Uh, for the women here that have gone through labor, right? Once labor starts, there's no turning back. This is, we're having a baby, right? And that's the idea here with judgment. When it's going to come suddenly upon the nation, and once it begins, there's going to be no escaping it. Now in verse 24, he returns back to his message about the final kings. And next we have Jehoiachin, also called Coniah here. Verse 24, as I live, says the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were the signet ring on my right hand, yet I would pluck you off. Now the signet ring was, uh, was very important to the person who possessed it. Uh, it was something that they used uh, to prove their authority. It was something they used to identify possessions. It was something they used to sign official documents. You know, they would dip their wing, ring into wax and leave a wax impression uh, on, on official documents, a wax seal. Uh, so the, the signet ring was very uh, valuable. It spoke of authority and ownership. Uh, in the New Testament, in Luke chapter 15, there's the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son. And when the prodigal son returns home to his father's house, and his father receives him, and the father says, get my best robe, And it says that he put his ring on his son's finger. He put a signet ring on his son's finger. And what that means and what that symbolized was that he was restoring his son back as a son with full authority. He's now wearing his father's signet ring. That means he can can sign for his father. He has the authority of his father. Uh, And so the father is receiving him back as his son with with entrusting him uh, with his authority. And here, though, God says to Jehoiachin or or Coniah, he says, even if you were my signet ring, I'd still remove you. He's completely rejected him as the king of Judah. He says, and I will give you into the hand of those who seek your life and into the hand of those whose face you fear the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and the hand of the Chaldeans. And so he, he tells them here exactly what's going to happen. And this was fulfilled precisely. Coniah 
along with his family. They were taken by the Babylonians as captives. Uh, that's in Second Kings chapter 24. So I will cast you out and your mother who bore you into another country where you were not born. And there you shall die. Again, this is the judgment of God. When a king dies in a foreign country as a prisoner, not in his own land. That is the punishment or judgment of God. But to the land to which they desire to return, there they shall not return. Is this man, Coniah, despised? Is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol, a vessel in which is no pleasure? Why are they cast out, he and his descendants, and cast into a land which they do not know? Uh, now, what he says here in verse 28, Kaniah was not considered by the people to be, you know, a, he describes him here as a broken vessel or, a, you know, a worthless broken pot is the idea. He, he was not considered by the people to be a broken, worthless pot. The people liked him as king. They loved him as king. In fact, in chapter 28, one of the false prophets predicted that Coniah would soon return from Babylon and deliver the nation of Judah and reign once again over Judah. This was one of the false promises made. That the captivity is not going to last. That our man Coniah is going to come back from Babylon. And he's going to conquer these Babylonians. And he's going to reign again as our king. Just you wait. It won't be long now. And so the people thought that Coniah was going to be their deliverer, their savior. But God despised him. He's described here as a vessel in which God finds no pleasure. And, and the words that are used here in the Hebrew, it's, it's a euphemism here for a pot that's used as a toilet. He's a toilet to God. The people are trusting him as their, their deliverer. As their say, he's going to come back and he's going to rescue us. He's going to deliver us. He's going to establish his kingdom. God says he's a toilet to me. The one that the people are trusting in and putting their hope in. God finds no pleasure in him. It's amazing how different our opinion can be in God's opinion of someone. Oh, earth, 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 he says. Hear the word of the Lord. The people of Judah aren't listening to the word of the Lord, so now he's just declaring it to the whole earth. Anyone who's going to listen now. O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down, Kaniah, write him down as childless, a man who shall not prosper in his days. Now notice what it says here. This is an important prophecy. For none of his descendants shall prosper sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. So he says here, write this man down as childless. Now we're told elsewhere, 1 Chronicles chapter 3, that Jehoiachin or Kaniah had at least seven sons. But God says, write him down as childless. Consider him childless because his descendants will be cursed. They'll not prosper. None of his descendants shall prosper, he says, sitting on the throne of David and ruling anymore in Judah. 
at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile, but think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.